0: I'd like you to notice this morning seven great Bible facts. Number one, Jesus is coming again, Revelation 22:12. 12. Behold, I come quickly. Number two, he's coming for righteous, holy people, Revelation 22:11. He that is righteous, let him be righteous still, and he that is holy, let him be holy still. Number three, no man can make himself righteous and holy. Romans 7, 14. I am carnal. Sold under sin. The thing I would like to do, I can't do. The thing I don't want to do, I do. O wretched man that I am, verse 24. Point four, the Holy Ghost can make us holy. Romans, the 15th chapter and the 16th verse, being sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Point five, when the Holy Ghost comes into our hearts, He sheds love, holiness, not just law, holiness. The evidence that the Holy Spirit is coming into our hearts is he sheds love, holiness, God's love, holiness. Romans 5, 5, the love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. Not the love of man, not carnal love, not publican love, not pharisaical love, God's love. And point six, then we become instruments of the Holy Spirit. Acts 1 8, ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, or instruments. And point seven, Psalm 51, 10 to 13. Then sinners will be converted through our instrumentality. Remove not thy Holy Spirit from me. I will teach transgressors your way, and sinners will be converted unto you. So Jesus is coming again for a righteous people, a holy people. But we can't make ourselves holy, so we must depend on the Holy Spirit to make us holy. The type of holiness he brings into our lives is not merely a legal holiness— It's a love holiness. The kind of love holiness he brings into our lives is a God love holiness, which loves his enemies. And this love sends its rain on the evil as well as the good and its sunshine on bad and good. God's love holiness doesn't treat the sinner as he deserves, but as he needs. So when the Holy Ghost is shed abroad in the heart he sheds God's love not a pharisaical love not a love that is dependent or conditioned on the on the situation of the individual but it flows from God because it comes from God and it's part of God God is love then we become instruments we receive power love power and anybody who thinks that he can get get love love power any other place than from the Holy Spirit, might as well start as a learner all over again. And anyone who thinks that he cannot receive God's love power through the Holy Spirit needs to learn. Just as an individual cannot make himself holy by himself, so an individual filled with the Holy Spirit will far exceed the holier-than-thou attitude, it'll be a love attitude, than sinners, will be converted because he's an instrument. Our study revolves around the experience of a medical doctor whom uh, I shall call my friend because we're very close friends. He was the first elder of a church which I was pastor. He had 12 elders in the church. And naturally, being the first elder, he and I were thrown together more often. And I found his family was a wonderful family. I depended on him for counsel every now and then. He was not a yes-man, neither was he a negative-type thinker, a wholesome, happy, delightful Christian. Sometime after I left that church of which I was pastored, my wife began our traveling ministry. Little messages seeped through to us that something had happened to my friend. Somehow he'd lost his way, and it almost broke my heart. I was made almost heartbroken, To think of my friend having become confused, frustrated, lost. Years passed before I learned what was the trouble, and then it all came out. He had helped a younger relative of his through medicine. He'd helped him financially and with encouragement, which means a great deal also. After his young relative was through medicine, my friend took him into practice with him and did well by him financially. And just at this time, a dirty rumor broke out against my friend a rumor that had no basis in fact at all. But the amazing thing is his young relative believed the rumor. You know, the Bible speaks of the mystery of righteousness and the mystery of iniquity. One of the aspects of the mystery of iniquity to me is how that a dear friend whom you've known for years can all at once believe some rumor that has come from somebody who may have come from Europe or Asia or Australia who might have been a horse thief himself, and yet he can spread a rumor and how a person who claims to be your close friend will accept the rumor. It's part of the mystery of iniquity. And uh, my friend's young relative seemed to base his conclusion on, on a very wrong cliché. Where there's a lot of smoke, there must be a little fire. And, my friends, that's wrong. Were that a fact, then Jesus Christ himself would be a criminal. For spies hounded his steps all over the land of Judea and Galilee and other parts with express purpose of scattering the rumors. Read in Desire of Ages, the crisis in Galilee. And you'll find that it came about as a result of the rumors of satanic origin. Where there's smoke, there's fire, but the fire may be the fire of envy and jealousy. And the wise man states it's the worst type of cruelty. Don't ever believe anything against a human soul, ever, unless you see it with your own eyes and hear it with your own ears. No individual has a right at any time, under any conditions, to pick up a rumor against his neighbor. He who will lessen the influence of another, says our favorite author, is as guilty as though he were to swear. My friend turned to his younger relative again and again. He said, you've known my life. You've known my experience. You know my character. How in the world could you believe a thing like that? And his relative said, well, where there's smoke, there's fire. And then my friend made the mistake of his life. Isaiah forty-five twenty-two says, look unto me and be ye saved. The antithesis is, look away from me to humanity and be ye what? And by looking at his younger relative and observing and thinking and meditating on the mistakes that his younger relative made and the unfaithfulness of his younger relative and the disloyalty, his love turned to bitterness. And when you get your eyes off Jesus Christ on humanity and the failures of humanity, when you take your eyes from love, you lose love. For by beholding we're changed to the same image. 2 Corinthians three, eighteen, And by beholding the unworthiness of his loved relative, he became like him. He lost the love of God and the bitterness of the enemy filled his soul. And his love turned to hatred and his hatred to murder. One day he returned home, opened his coat and showed his wife a badge. He'd been deputized. He pulled out two guns and said, I'm going to shoot the cuss. She said, honey, you'd never do a thing like that. He said, I'm deputized. I represent the law. The idea while we two are together, nobody around, as a defender of the law, I can appear in court. If he's dead, he can't testify. He said, there'll never be brought any disgrace on the family, I assure you of this, rest assured. Why, well, you wouldn't do a thing like that. And then the devil came along with his special temptation Now you're a murderer at heart. You you might as well go on into sin. So my friend began to smoke. It was an amazing thing. Now, I never condemn anybody for smoking. I believe the devil was not cast out of heaven because of smoking. He wasn't cast out of heaven because he ate a piece of pork. He was cast out of heaven because he acted like the devil. But to imagine my friend smoking was uh, something. The devil said, now you're a murderer, now you smoke, you might as well drink. Drink your cares away. And my friend drank and drank. And later he testified to me that he tried everything in his power to drown his worries by drinking. And he said, I couldn't get drunk. He just drank and drank. And the devil said, now the, the game is as good as the name they've accused you of immorality. Take it. And I'm not going to describe his immorality, for it was sordid. He came back to his home, to his wife, and told her the women he'd lived with. Plurality. And now, his wife knew that when Jesus comes, there will be a righteous, holy people. These holy people cannot make themselves holy and righteous. Only God can do that. But God can do it. And when God comes into the heart through the agency of the Holy Spirit, he sheds abroad his love in the heart. And this little lady knew that she didn't have the love of Christ in her heart. She had jealousy. What she had a right to have as his wife. And of course, you can imagine the f- sophisticated, pharisaical zealots in the church that would say to her, divorce the rascal. And she had every legal right to divorce him. But there's something higher as a relative of mine has written years ago, and I liked it very much, Dr. Roger Kuhn said, there's something higher than legality. There's the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit shed into her heart the love of Jesus Christ. But she found there wasn't enough there. She said, I'd find my heart being filled with bitterness. And I said, Oh, Lord, come to my rescue. I I can't love this man unless you shed abroad your love in my heart. And she said, I reached up into my library and picked down a book, The Ministry of Healing. What a book. And I see as as this book slips into her hands, another book slips down out of the library. It's entitled Path to the Heart. I was so glad God helped us to write it. She said, Elder Kuhn, I took the two books, The Ministry of Healing and Path to the Heart, down to our little lake. And she said, I read one and then I read another until my heart was saturated with the love of God. I came back and I could look up into the face of my husband and kiss him in the lips. And find no bitterness. The love of God is shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Spirit. What do you say? And instead of listening to the people who say you have who said you have a legal right to do this, she listened to the Holy Spirit who came in and flooded her and saturated her with the love of God. But she said it didn't last long. You know we have six thousand years of degeneration. She said sometimes it would only last a matter of a few hours. I would slip back to the lake again, pick up the two books, and I kept reading and reading till my heart was saturated again with the love, the love of Jesus Christ. She said, then I'd come back to the home, my husband tell me his experiences of sordidity, and I would smile and look into his face and tell him I loved him. She had a legal right, but she had a right of love, and the right of love had the right of way. Thank God for the love of Jesus Christ. What do you think? She said, so it went on, day after day, week after week, month after month, month after month. And then the Pharisees in the church, you know, would come and say, look, look, sister, this has gone on altogether too long. Divorce the rascal. But the Holy Spirit said something else. The love of God is shed abroad in your heart by the Holy Ghost that is given unto us. Again, she'd go back to the lake and saturate her heart Let the Holy Spirit saturate her with the love of God. It went on for month after month after month after month. She said, Elder Coon, finally I noticed something had happened. The bitterness didn't return. (laughs) Aren't you glad? The bitterness didn't return. I could look into my husband's face and love him with all my heart without one tinge of bitterness. I say, that's God's love. What do you say? And friend of mine, if you don't have God's love today, there's a place where you can get it. There's a place where you can receive holiness. It's not of works. We cannot build ourselves up into it, but we can look up and say, Oh, lovely God, Christ of Calvary, shed abroad, Calvary, loving of a heart, that cried out, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. She said, And finally, when I realized what God had done for me, I was so happy I said no she didn't say it in these words I'm not trying to quote word for word she said now Lord you've passed you've helped me through this sort of a passive stage now Lord I want to go to the active stage now I want to be an active instrument of thy love she said just then a book fell into my hands entitled the ABCs of prayer with the praying hands she said, Al both of those books came almost like a miracle to me. She said, as I began to read, I learned about the ABCs of Bible prayer. I had a right to ask God and to believe and claim his promise. I'm not worthy, but Jesus is. I'm getting it all through his merits. I have no merits of my own. Therefore, I can come boldly to the throne of grace and receive help in every time of need. She said, just then my husband announced that he was going to a distant state with one of the women who would be gone four weeks. She said, I wrote a letter to my children. By the way, I have a copy of it. (laughs) It's a wonderful letter. She said, I've learned the science of prayer. She said, my husband thinks he'll be gone for four weeks. I think he'll be back in a little while. She said, I'm claiming a promise that God will give him a hatred for sin, Genesis 3.50. And no man can hate sin except as the Holy Ghost gives him a hatred. You can't work up in your heart a hatred for sin. It must be God-given. Him hath God exalted with his right hand to be a prince and a savior for to give repentance to Israel. Repentance is a gift as verily as his forgiveness. Acts five thirty one. And she prayed that God would give him repentance and hatred for the life that he was in. And she said, and God's going to do it. I like that kind of faith, don't you? And she said... My husband's been trying to sell his practice. It's like, it's like filth. Nobody wants to be around it. He's tried to sell the house. Nobody wants to be around it. They don't want to look at it even. She said, I'm claiming a promise. Philippians 4.19, I believe it was. My God shall supply all your need. Lord, we need to sell our place. We need to get out of here and start all over again. His practice had gone upon. She said, God's going to sell the practice for my husband. I think it was four days later. I'd have to check my notes again. I think it was four days later. Her husband returned. Not four weeks, four days. Honey, will you forgive me? By God's grace, I'll never smoke again. I'll never drink again. I'm through with the women. How about that? And she said, honey, while you've been gone these four days, God has sold your practice. You can't put anything past the love of God, my friends. Not of works lest any man should boast. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus on good works. She said, wonderful. She said, but Elder Coon, I found something that amazed me. My husband was no longer engaging in those habits, but he wasn't a different man. He was no more spiritual than before. Did you ever hear anybody come along and say, my, if that person could just stop smoking or could just stop doing this, he'd be ready for baptism? I disagree. What I don't do doesn't make me a Christian. For me to live is Christ. Philippians 1:21. it's Christ in you that's the hope of glory. I've seen many a man in a casket. He doesn't smoke anymore, he doesn't drink anymore, he doesn't run around, but he's dead. And there are plenty of Laodiceans that walk in the church and out, and they're as dead spiritually as a man in the casket. They don't drink, they don't smoke, they don't run around, but they're dead because they've never found the Holy Spirit saturating them with the very life of Jesus Christ. She said, Now, Lord, give him a good shaking up. (laughs) Showed how human she was. When I was a boy in school, teachers used to shake up their pupils. I heard Dad say, When they shake one devil out, they shake seven in. But the Lord's good. He knew she needed to learn something. Don't ask me whether it was the Lord or the devil that got him in the accident. But the man's car was demolished, and he got out almost without a scratch. But he was the same man. God's not in the earthquake. He's not in the whirlwind. The Holy Spirit comes down like the the rays of the sun. And yet she didn't learn the lesson. She said, Lord, he hasn't changed a bit. Shake him up again. He got another accident. He was the same man. Then she began to realize there's something else he needed. Now she said, Lord, we need to get rid of the place. We've gotten rid of the practice. The man's gotten rid of his habits, though he's not a new creature in Christ yet. Now, dear Lord, the house. Take care of the house. You know, in a matter of a few moments from the time the whole family was out, that house blew up. It it, it took took two explosions. The first was a small one, and the husband, my friend, came back after the first explosion. He was walking through the house with with his huge German police dog behind him, and something impressed him. You better get out quickly. He seized a portable something and walked out as quickly as they could, the dog at his heels, got a, a few yards from the house, and the second explosion came, he never saw the dog again, the cat was blown out of the window, and the man was saved, his life was saved by inches. He said, well, now we'll go to the new state and start all over again. She told me, she said, you know, we could sell the lot, we could take insurance on the house and sue the bottle gas company. There had been a leak there that they'd asked the bottle gas company to repair, and they hadn't. Now, I didn't give them any of those ideas. Don't get the impression I told them to sue the bottle gas company. Then they started for the new state. On the way down the new state, and as they arrived, she said, Dear Lord, you've helped my husband, but now he needs, he needs to become a new creature. There's one man in all the world that loves him better, I think, than any other man, Two of his books I've been reading, and God has used them. Would you mind, dear Lord, sending Glenn and Ethel Kuhn to our church to hold a series? Philippians 4.19, unless you have something better. She walked into church one day and opened the bulletin. It said, on such and such a Friday night, Glenn and Ethel Kuhn are going to begin a series of meetings. She almost hit the ceiling. When we came, I was walking along the road. She met me. She said, Elder Kuhn, God sent you here to save my husband. I said, I believe every word of it. The person that is nearest is the person God wants to use. Don't race off to some minister and say, You work for my my husband unless he's very near to that person. If you're nearer that person than anybody else, God wants you to be the instrument. And that's a fatal mistake many people make. They want somebody else at great long distance. God sent us there. She was an instrument. She was the main instrument. We were only secondary instruments. I said, I believe it She said, Elder Kuhn, I want to tell you something. It's operation impossible. I want to tell you that because sometimes you'll feel the same way with the problem. She loved the Lord. God had done wonderful things, and yet she was fighting a fight of faith. She said, My husband has no desire whatsoever to do right. I said, Don't believe a word of it. I said, His heart is literally plowed up with grief. Here he is in a new place. If he were to come as a penitent at the altar, all the wagging Laodicean tongues would whisper. They'd use the telephone, Did you see the new, the new doctor? He was the altar. What do you suppose he's done? I'll never rest satisfied till I find out. And I'll tell you. Isn't it terrible? It's terribly good to them. He was too smart to come and, and expose himself as a penitent. When we held our meetings, he was too wise not to make any kind of move. As the audience moved in aisles, he moved. Just enough so he wouldn't be a, a spectacle. I said, don't think that it's Operation Impossible. That man is longing to find the steps to take, and God's going to use us. Two weeks later, I baptized him in a Baptist church. It's a longer story. It's a beautiful story. That man was the most professional man I've ever met as a friend of mine. The closest friend was always at arm's length. One night I felt impressed by the Holy Spirit to call him on the phone before the baptism. I said, Doctor, and I was claiming promises for the Holy Spirit and for wisdom and for 1 John five sixteen for his soul. Doctor, yes, Elder Cullen. And I measured my words. I said, this is your friend. And I suggested something I'd never suggested before in my life, though, man. Private baptism. And God impressed me. I said, I have a suggestion. Your wife is still a member of the home church. Your name has been removed. How would you like to have me take you out a nearby lake all alone and baptize you, except as somebody you want to be there? Then I'll notify the home church, and they'll take you into membership, and then this church will call for both of your letters, and you'll never be exposed. What's the Bible say about love covers what? What is that statement from my favorite author that says, while we get the sinner's hand in the hand of the crucified, we protect him. We don't sympathize with the sinner and tell him you're not a sinner. That's a tragic mistake. Never. But we don't expose him while we get his hands in the hands of Christ. He that converted the sinner from the error of his way will hide a multitude of sins. And you know, the man spoke back as professional, as though he was doing me the greatest favor in the world. that that, that would be all right. And I said to myself, praise the Lord. When he was baptized, there were a lot of people there, close relatives. But between the time I spoke to him and the time he was baptized, I went to his home. I was in one room, and his wife and my wife were in another. They were chatting while he and I were chatting. He told me the story, which I've related to you. That man, (coughs) when he realized that there was still hope for him, his whole personality changed. He sat there in a uh, reclining chair, and I had the other. And the man it was as happy as a hysterical teenager to think that Jesus had received him. He believed Christ would receive him because we had told him so. You know, a man has the right to rest his faith on Christ. And read this, if you will, with me. This may shock you. It's in our book, The Study Guide for the Lessons, but it comes from our favorite author, a very trembling soul who was completely frustrated and didn't know what to do. If you cannot rely upon your own faith, rely upon the faith of others. Did you ever hear of that before in your life? We believe and hope for you. God accepts our faith in your your behalf. Testimonies, volume 2, page 319. God accepts our faith in your behalf. That was what was happening. He accepted my faith and hope that God would receive him. And when it finally dawned on him, he was the happiest man in 17 states. He told me the story and to think that God had received him. When I baptized him, the only time in my life I didn't have my own Bible. I went down to the Baptist pew, picked up a Bible, read from it, closed it up, baptized him, picked up the Bible, put it back in the pew. A few weeks later, we received a letter from his wife. Elder Kuhn, did you receive the $100 bill that was in your Bible? I said, well, may the Lord bless the Baptist that owned that Bible. (laughs) He probably needed it more than I did. They'd announced it in the Baptist church and they announced it in our church and nobody, why would a man own up? (laughs) He felt it was a providence of God that he got the $100 bill. But I took the will for the deed. When we were leaving that place, his wife came to me. She said, Elder Kuhn, when you came here, I said, this is Operation Impossible. I have another expression now, another term. Mission accomplished. Our Father in heaven, thank you this morning for the men and the women, the boys and the girls who are sitting here, who are willing, Lord, for the Holy Spirit to be shed abroad in their heart to give us Calvary love. Forgive us, dear Lord, for our pharisaism. Forgive us for our legality. Forgive us, O God, for standing back on our rights. Dear Lord, help us by the aid of thy Holy Spirit this morning. We may see ourselves as we are, and not merely that. We may be willing to be saturated with the love of Jesus Christ. Lord Jesus, there are people here this morning, sitting here without a doubt, who have given up hope. They have told, the devil has told them there's no hope, and some Christians have told them that they're going to be lost. Forgive us, Lord. If they don't have any faith in thee this morning at all, but there's a great longing, there's an emptiness, there's a craving for the better life, but they can't reach out in faith to thee, may they rest their faith this morning, dear Lord, on our faith. And dear Lord, may we just build a little platform of our faith And may they plug in to our faith and say, Lord, if Brother Kuhn believes God's still able to save me, I'll accept his faith. If Pastor Williams is willing to believe that God will still save me, though my sins are scarlet, I'll rest on his faith. If you came in without the assurance of Jesus Christ and forgiveness and salvation and eternal life, and if you'll accept it in Jesus Christ, for he said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Will you make him your Lord? Will you let him forgive your sins? Are you willing for him to forgive if he's willing to forgive? Then come. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www. Dot audioverse.org.